At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of your Charlotte Hornets. It's a silver linings edition, first one in a while. Hornets falling to the Orlando Magic, final score 116 to 109. Frustrating because Orlando was in last Last place in the Eastern Conference and the Hornets had been on a four-game win streak with the last three coming at the expense of the Milwaukee Bucks defending champs twice and then taking out a long-standing five-year-plus losing streak to the Philadelphia 76ers. But Orlando, they outplayed the Hornets last night. They get the win 116-109. to We will break it down. Also going to talk about the relative shooting slump the Hornets have been in lately. Even though the results have been good, the Hornets' three-point shooting has not been. What does that mean? Can we put this into some context for you? And as part of the Yellow Ribbon program, the Charlotte Hornets have been honoring military veterans and retirees for their unwillingness wavering service to our country and their impact in the community. The Yellow Ribbon Program recognizing one of these heroes during Hornets home games throughout the season and recipients get acknowledged at games prior to the National Anthem as well as during an on-court presentation and right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Yesterday, the Hornets honored retired Marine Sergeant Aaron Harper. He was kind enough to sit down with us and we'll play that interview for you later on right here on the HHC. First, though, helping me dissect this game that the Hornets dropped to the Orlando Magic. He's our producer on the Hornets Radio Network. Rob Longo back again. And, Rob, it's a frustrating result, 116-109. to There's no getting around that. Charlotte was flying high, pardon the pun. And uh, the Magic, they had lost 10 in a row, although they had been close recently. But the distance between the team who's in last place in any conference and even the very best, even the world champs, is not as much as you think. Sweeping a team is exceptionally hard to do. I didn't think necessarily going into the season that the Hornets would sweep Orlando. They seemed to be one of the more likely teams, but certainly wasn't a given. And this was a night where Orlando got the better of them. 116-109, to 109, the Magic shot well enough and played well enough to win, and they did. Couldn't have said it any better. All right, time to go home. That's the additional <laughs> Hornets I've asked. No, I'm just kidding. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, I know we'll get into this a little bit later with the three-point shooting, but the Hornets just simply did not shoot the three very well. I mean, only 28% from beyond the arc. Then you take a look at the other side. The Magic shot almost 52% from the field. That's the second highest total so far this year for the Magic. And then they coupled that with 20 turnovers, which was also the second highest that Orlando has had this season. It resulted in 25 points for the Hornets. But at the same time, you know, the Hornets couldn't help themselves either in that category. 17 turnovers for Charlotte ended up in 27 points for Orlando. So those two kind of cancel each other out. And again, Charlotte just did not really help itself in the fourth quarter. Just went, I had it marked down as 5 of 24 from the field in the fourth quarter, but then it ended up being 6 of 25 as Terry Rozier chucked up a last 
last second three at the buzzer just to make the score a little bit more respectable. But yeah, just it was one of those things that I mentioned on the broadcast at the end of the broadcast last night was that everything seemed like it was kind of like Murphy's Law for the Hornets. Anything that could go wrong would go wrong. You know, Orlando on his 10-game losing streak, Charlotte on a four-game winning streak, Magic just frustrated playing with some really inspired basketball, trying to get off the schneid really and it worked last night for Orlando so sometimes you got to tip your cap where you can and I thought Orlando played some really good defense there in the first half just did a really good job of getting Charlotte out of sorts in a sense and then points in the paint were a big disparity as well uh, or at least just at the rim really that Orlando was able to capitalize on and there's your ball game. Here's what head coach James Borrego of the Charlotte Hornets had to say about what went wrong after the contest. They looked more aggressive to the rim I mean they had 50 points at the rim we couldn't make a shot from three, you know, we couldn't get to the rim and then all our kickouts, you know, we just could not, you know, could not find that. We basically scored 12 points in the fourth. I mean, we had a couple late ones, but to me in the end, we basically scored 12 points in the fourth. Our defense could have sustained us, but you know, when they needed a big shot, a big bucket, they got to the rim. I mean, 50 points at the rim is just too many. So to me, that says they were the aggressive team. They got downhill, they kicked it, they played more aggressive basketball than we did tonight. I agree with what head coach James Borrego had to say there. I think he he frames it in the sense that the Hornets needed to do more to match the intensity that the Magic put forth, and I think that's true. There were things they could have done to have better backline defense, prevent some of these backdoor cuts that Orlando was able to execute so frequently. But on top of that, I think the Magic just had a great game. They played a great game, particularly the Wagner brothers. Mo Wagner, a season-high 26 points. Franz Wagner had 19 points. They combined to go 19 of 28 for the field and 5 of 11 from deep. I mean, they played it collectively a great game and Orlando deserves credit for the win. That said, there are always silver linings to all of these games. Rob, officially, you are the guest. Who is your silver lining on this night? I have to go with Mason Plumley. Charlotte by three. Plumley steals it from Lopez. Running down the floor and he'll thunder down the two-handed Dr. Pepper dunk. Plumley flying around. Just a stunning display of athleticism. I just really wanted to throw a Bill Rafferty in there. The big fella. Just because of the way that he was able to thunder there down the floor. But Mason Plumley yesterday, 10 points, 10 boards. That's your double-double. Five of six from the floor. A couple of assists out there as well. And, you know, he's been one of those guys where he's been hustling out there. I mean, you take the competition that he's played the last three games. Giannis Antetokounmpo twice, along with Bobby Portis. Then you go to Philadelphia and you face a guy like Joel Embiid. So Mason Plumley has really had his hands full the last couple of games. He was able to at least get out of his shell, at least from the box score standpoint last night, but he finishes a plus seven in the plus minus. He was one of two Hornets to finish in the positive of the plus minus. Could you tell me the other one? Oh boy, the other one. I'm going to go Ish Smith. No, Jalen McDaniels, a plus one. That was it. So again, Mason Plumlee, I thought just did a really good job overall last night. He's finally rewarded, like I mentioned, for his performances the last couple of games. So that is my silver lining after last night's loss. No, great pick. I think he's really played extremely well in this recent stretch stretch here for the Hornets and he's deserving of praise I mean he's played a really really solid stretch most of it has been defensively I think last night he was able to get loose and cut loose a little bit offensively uh, as well but he has been a real difference maker for this team a lot of what he does doesn't show up in the box score last night he had a big game in the box score he's not my silver linings pick but I do want to give some credit here to the guy I just mentioned and that's Ish Smith into the corner Harris catch and shoot three missed it to the left rebound Ish Smith Smith throws the lob for Bridges, who throws down a two-handed dunk. Cleverly executed there by Ish with the look away on that pass. Opening up the lane just slightly enough 
for Bridges to power through it for the Dr. Pepper dunk. At one point, Ish Smith in three minutes had three assists, and he was that catalyst to try and bring the Hornets closer. So even though he's not my silver lining, he only played seven minutes, and eventually his impact started to wane, it seemed. But I thought he gave the Hornets a spark, which is something he's done consistently all year. It's not easy to do, come off the bench when you haven't played not only the entire night, but not even the entire week, and come in there and have an impact. And Ish Smith has done that routinely. So I want to give a tip of the cap to him. But my silver lining is LaMelo ball. He had a a strong game. He was one of the few Hornets who shot the ball well. 23 points on 8 of 18 shooting, 3 of 7 from deep. He had 8 assists. He only had 3 turnovers so on a night where the team had 16 turnovers, he had 3 of them. One of them was that ridiculous traveling call on him where he got hit below the belt and nobody saw it, but they did see him walk after the fact. LaMelo usually has a pretty good temperament with officials. This was one of the few occasions where we saw him get kind of hot and you can understand why but LaMelo, he regained his composure. I thought he played a strong game out there. Uh, even though he ends up a minus 13 on the floor, I think he played better than those numbers would indicate. But LaMelo Ball's my silver lining for this one. I just think there's days like this over the course of the season. And here's something for all the fans out there who are screaming bloody murder and saying everyone needs to be traded or fired. I, I understand it's a frustrating loss. When we look back on this game, at the end of the season, we're not going to think, well, the Magic had been closed. They got healthier. The Hornets were you know, maybe in a letdown situation. We're not going to think of that. We're just going to say, Hornets lost to the worst team in the Eastern Conference. That's bad. And it is. It is bad. 116-109 to to the team that was in 15th in the conference. Yes, it's not a good result. But here's some stuff for context. Number one team in the Eastern Conference right now is Chicago. They've lost at Houston. Number two is Miami. They've lost at Detroit. Number three is Brooklyn. They've lost to Orlando and to Houston. Number four is Milwaukee. They've lost to Detroit and New Orleans. What I mean by this is it's the NBA. Everyone is good. Everyone is capable of beating everybody else. Sweeping a team particularly four times in the season, is extremely hard. That's why the 16-game losing streak to Philadelphia was so remarkable. It's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed to get swept year after year after year. It just doesn't happen. So anytime something like that creeps up, it catches your attention. I think the Hornets are much better than Orlando. I think they'll end up winning three out of four. I thought at the start of the season they'd probably win three out of four. And whenever that loss to Orlando was going to creep in, Homer Road, whenever it happened, wasn't going to matter. It was going to be a bad loss. Well, and just for some context, too, you take a look at Chicago, who already had a couple of those quote-unquote bad losses. Look at the Bulls the last two games. They've gotten boat raced by really good teams in Milwaukee and Golden State. I mean, again, Chicago is the tops of the Eastern Conference, but this just goes to show what kind of league this is. I mean, like you mentioned, everybody is good. If they weren't good, they wouldn't be in the NBA. They would be playing elsewhere. So it's just crazy how, you know, this cycle works with the NBA. You can't really expect a win every night. You can't expect a loss every night. And the Hornets, on the other side of things, have had wins like that already this season where they weren't expected to win. So you take the good with the bad, the bad with the good. It all evens out in the end. It's kind of like that philosophy that you see in baseball where – There's 162 games. You're going to win a third of those games. You're going to lose a third of those games. It's what you do with that middle third that makes up the difference. And the NBA really isn't that far behind when you think about it with the way that this talent is for all 30 teams. Very true. It's very true. Fans out there who are listening to this, you can say I'm making excuses. That's fine. I I don't care. It's okay. Um, It's our podcast. We say whatever we want. (laughs) My point is that it is a bad loss. I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying it's not shocking that the Hornets were unable to sweep Orlando or that 
that they didn't sweep Houston or that they might not sweep Detroit come the end of the season. There are circumstances to all of these games. The bottom line is win the series. Take two out of three, three out of four. Do it enough. You'll end up somewhere around 45, 50 wins, and that should be enough to get you into the playoffs. And that is the goal at the end of the day. All of the great wins they had, those three in succession, they didn't climb into a top six spot. And this one loss is not going to mean they're going to fall out of the top ten. Although if you have a couple more like it, maybe you would. Hornets, hopefully this is a one-time deal. We'll talk more about how the Hornets have been playing lately. Even though the results have been good leading up to this one, the shooting, not necessarily so. So we'll talk about that a little bit more in depth coming up. Coming up next, though, we want to uh, continue to honor some of our great military service members here in our Charlotte community. Uh, we do so with the Hornets via the Yellow Ribbon Program and our honoree from last night's game, retired Marine Sergeant Aaron Harper is our guest here on the Hornets Hivecast after this on the HHC. I get allergy care from the doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates who know how to treat me, not just my symptoms. Now that my allergies are under control, I can ride my bike whenever I want, just like I did as a kid. Senta offers allergy testing and a wide range of treatment in North and South Carolina. Play like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Welcome back to the Hornets Hivecast. We'll get back to our Hornets talk momentarily, but want to talk about a program that is near and dear to the hearts of everyone involved with the Charlotte Hornets. That is the Yellow Ribbon Program, where the Hornets honor military veterans and retirees we're doing it each month, starting this month, January, all the way through April. Hornets honoring military veterans for their unwavering service to our country and their impact on the community. Today we have Aaron Harper, who retired from the Marines in 1993 as a sergeant, having served in the Persian Gulf War during Desert Storm, here to talk to us about his service and what he's been up to serving our community since his retirement. Sergeant Harper, thanks so much for joining us here today on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you. I greatly appreciate the opportunity and thank you for all that you all do to honor and support our military members and veterans. It is our pleasure and privilege, most definitely. Let's talk a little bit about you. What led to your decision originally to join the military? Thanks for the question. I'm actually a fifth generation Marine and war veteran. I've got a lot of Marine Corps blood in my system. My uncle Rick was a Marine sergeant in Vietnam. His uncle, my great uncle Cecil, was a Marine sergeant in the Korean War. And we just keep on going all the way back. I think we actually have some Army connections back in the Revolutionary War. So it's definitely in our blood. So keeping the the family legacy alive, you served in the Persian Gulf War and actually sustained injuries there that eventually led to your retirement. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, it's just one of those things. Um, right place, right time, whatever you want to say for it. Just happened to be located in uh, Ras al-Mashab, which is in northern Saudi Arabia, where the Iraqis were launching some what they call free rockets over ground towards our location and happened to rupture a disc during one of those rocket attacks. So that unfortunately led to my retirement from the Marines. I had planned on being a lifer, staying in the Marines for as long as I possibly could, becoming a fighter pilot and all that kind of thing. But once the the disc uh, issue happened in my lower back, that was kind of it. Got the medical retirement in 93. Well, even though that took you out of active service in 1993, it was far from the end of your service for your community and giving back to our great country. Tell us about what your career path and your volunteer path has been since leaving the military. Well, in 1993, after I retired, I started going to school at NC State University, wound up getting a 
degree in education so I could get back to the community. And during that time, I started to volunteer with the Civil Air Patrol, which is an auxiliary of the Air Force. So it gave me an opportunity to stay in the quasi-military and support youth in their leadership development, along with emergency services and aerospace education. So it was was a way to give back, and that's kind of how it started, that trajectory. And once I became a school teacher, I was still serving with the Civil Air Patrol and established some volunteer squadrons, what they refer to as uh, cadet squadrons, and started at Apex Middle School and helped grow that program, wound up getting some grants from the federal government through the North Carolina Department of Crime Control and Public Safety and One of those grants actually led to my full-time employment with that department and expanding those programs across the state. And then wound up going into the Department of Labor to develop veterans apprenticeship programs in the western part of North Carolina and in some of the central to include State Highway Patrol, State Bureau of Investigation, then Time Warner Cable, now Spectrum, Duke Energy, Carolina's healthcare system back then, now Atrium Health. So again, continuing to serve through employment through the state. And then got an MBA from Queens University, started to plant some seeds there for establishing a student veteran program and started working at Duke Energy about midway through that and helped them promote and develop their military veteran strategy work there. Created their employee resource group called Together We Stand. And around that time, we started doing some national research uh, for Duke Energy to figure out organizations are doing it right as far as military members, veterans and their families. So some of that research, I gathered that together and then shared it across the Charlotte region with the various organizations that wanted to have military veteran strategy, which included then Carolina's healthcare system. It's an amazing lifetime of service that you've led in now almost 30 years since retiring from active duty in the military and in a whole host of jobs that you read off there, working as a teacher, working for the state government in different departments, working in health care, always giving back. Why is it so important for you to continue to give back to both the military community and our local community here in North Carolina? Well, there's actually a really neat quote from the movie Platoon by Oliver Stone. Towards the very end of the movie, the, the main protagonist in the movie, Chris Taylor, he said, the war is over for me now, but it'll always be there for the rest of my days. But be that as it may, those of us who did make it back have an opportunity to build again and to teach to others what we know and try what's left of our time to make a goodness and meaning to this life. So I've kind of held on to that because it, it is an opportunity. We had incredible events and training and skill building and all those kind of things. You know, I was an air traffic controller in the Marines and being an FAA certified air traffic controller at the age of 18 is pretty significant. Not that it's anything big and special or anything like that, but it was just a really cool opportunity. In addition to being a Marine and being engaged in combat training and shooting and blowing stuff up and having lots of fun too. Of course, being ready to sacrifice uh, our lives, that's kind of something that's a little bit more significant when you think about it. But, you know, we get all this training, we get all these awesome opportunities, and now we have a chance to take all those things that we learned and bring it back to the community. We don't have to you know, be veterans just waiting on handouts saying, you know, woe is me and you need to give me give me something, you owe me something. And that's not how veterans look at this. Veterans look at this as an opportunity to grow and a really cool term called post-traumatic growth instead of post-traumatic stress syndrome. It's post-traumatic growth. So whatever you experienced in the military 
you have an opportunity to take that and then grow from it and learn and support others. So again, it's just a great way for all of us military members, veterans, and their families to have to take what they gained, that experience, that learning, those skills, knowledge, etc., bring it back to the community and share and support them in, in the best way that you know how. Well, Aaron, it's an amazing uh, lifetime of service that you've led, and uh, again, it's just getting started. We appreciate so much your service, and it's our honor to honor you in our Yellow Ribbon program. Aaron Harper, retired sergeant from the Marines, thanks so much for spending time with us today here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you, Sarah. Greatly appreciate it, and thank you again to the Hornets for all that you do to support our military veterans and their families. Our thanks again to retired Marine Sergeant Aaron Harper for his service, and it is our honor to honor him via the Yellow Ribbon Program. If you know a military veteran or a retiree who illustrates great character service and community engagement, visit hornets.com slash community slash military and nominate your hero today for a chance to be our next Yellow Ribbon recipient. Coming up next, the Hornets' recent three-point shooting woes. We'll dissect them next here on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Santa. Hornets fans, it's time to get some new gear. The best selection of new and classic Hornets apparel is at the Hornets Fan Shop, now with new extended hours. Stop by Spectrum Center Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. to pick up the latest in jerseys, Jordans, and more. Or you can shop from the comfort of your own home 24-7 with just a click of a button at HornetsFanshop.com. An easy trip on the light rail, you'll be sure to find something for everyone at the Hornets Fan Shop. Our thanks again to retired Marine Sergeant Aaron Harper for joining us here on the Hornets Hivecast. And uh, our pleasure, our honor to honor him via the Yellow Ribbon program with the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets fell last night to the Orlando Magic, 116-109, to the final score. They might have lost the game, but they definitely won the highlights. So we're still tied at 65, 10-17 left in the third quarter. Lamelo to his left, throws on the brakes, Anthony left for dead and Lamelo rises up and drops the three great move by Lamelo ball he's got 16 Anthony on the other side makes a pass and Lamelo picks it clean he's driving he throws the pass through his legs for Miles Bridges oh my goodness what a Dr. Pepper dunk what a move Lamelo jumps in the air throws the ball through his legs, lobs it up, and Miles Bridges powers it down. That is most definitely number one on SportsCenter as this crowd here at Spectrum Center is outright volcanic. It was a heck of a play. A heck of a sequence there by LaMelo Ball. It's what makes him so special, so entertaining. What makes Hornets basketball must-see TV, must-listen-to radio, and a must-experience type of atmosphere. Get your tickets now. Hornets.com. Next opportunity a week from yesterday. Coming up this next Friday, Hornets will host the Oklahoma City Thunder. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you. Rob, as we look at this game this loss here to Orlando again I think Orlando outplayed Charlotte they were deserving of the win but there are some holes in the Hornets game that need to be pointed out one they didn't do a very good job of adjusting to what the Magic were doing they had a lot of backdoor cuts a lot of just open cuts to the basket and Charlotte didn't adjust well enough to find ways to stop them the other thing is Orlando who throughout the season has been a very poor shooting team Charlotte throughout the season has been a very good shooting team last night for whatever reason that was flipped part of the reason was flipped for Orlando 
They shot a heck of a lot closer to the basket. That helps. But even from three, they were 15 of 45. That's 33%. Hornets were just 12 of 42, 28%. And the reason that should be focused on a little bit more, it's not an outlier. It's not the one time this has happened. This is now four straight games where Charlotte has shot 333, 33%, a third of their shots, or worse, from distance. Fourth straight time, it just happens to be the first time they lost it. If you take a look back at the other games, they realized that the three-point shooting wasn't there. I mean, when you take a look at the field goal percentage overall from last night, it was at 41%. Not too shabby at all. When you go back and you take a look at previous box scores, when you go back and look at that Philadelphia game, the Hornets did not shoot well from three in that one either. 29%, but the big difference was the points and the paint disparity. They were able to outscore... Philly, 56 to 34. That's even with a guy like Joel Embiid out there on the floor. So the Hornets did a pretty good job in that one. You go back a couple of days earlier to that, you go back to the Milwaukee game. The Hornets were able to go 44 points in the paint compared to 40 for Milwaukee. So a little bit closer, but still, the Hornets were able to get to the foul line and go 14 to 16. The three-point shooting on that one was 29.5%. You get where I'm going with this. So it just seemed like from the get-go last night that Orlando's defense, for whatever reason, was throwing off the Hornets. They were taking away passing lanes. They were taking away cutting lanes. They were eliminating the soft spots in what would normally be the soft spots on the floor, kind of the blind spots, for lack of a better term. So I don't know what kind of game plan that the Magic were able to throw at them last night, but they were not able to get those easy buckets that we were able to see. And the Hornets had to really settle for a lot of mid-range shots. And again, those were falling, just the three-point looks were not. A lot of that came down to that run late in the fourth quarter where the Magic were able to extend that lead almost to double digits. They got it up to, I want to say, eight or nine a couple of times, and the Hornets were trying to play catch-up at that point. And when you're not able to shoot the three ball very well, it's not going to go well. And it just expanded that point percentage a little bit lower than you would have normally thought. So again, just one of those things that you kind of hope that you just kind of shoot your way out of and go from there. Any shooter that gets in a slump, you're going to tell them, just keep shooting. You're going to break out of it eventually. Same thing for a hitter in baseball. Just keep swinging at the good pitches and you're going to eventually break out of that slump. So I'm not sure what the Hornets have to do, but hopefully it changes on that Monday afternoon game in New York in a couple days. You brought up how the Hornets were able to overcome poor three-point shooting in some of these recent wins. And, and it's notable. It's it's something worth pointing out because you have to have multiple ways to win basketball games. Can't just be, well, we're a good three-point shooting team. We didn't shoot well from three, so forget it. We're not going to win. The Hornets do have other ways to win games, but at their core, every team has either someone or something that is excellent that they try and lean back on. For the Hornets, there's certain metrics that they're just always looking to hit, and they feel if they get them, they're going to play winning basketball. One of them is assists. If the Hornets get over 32 assists, they're basically guaranteed to win. Another one is three-pointers in terms of volume. If the Hornets are making 15 or more threes, overwhelming, really 14 or more threes, overwhelmingly winning record. And another one is three-point percentage. Over the course of the season, if the Hornets shoot better than, uh, I've been using 333 because it's it's easier to put into context. That's one out of three threes. But really the magic number here for the Hornets, the dividing line, is a 387 three-point percentage. What does that actually translate to in normal human numbers? It, it translates to about 12 for 31 or better. If they're about 12 for 31 or better, they're going to win more games than not. And here's the numbers that bear that out. Team, when they shoot 12 for 31 or worse, is 9 and 16. If they're above that mark, they're 14 and 4. And there are certain points, periods in the season where they have not been able to shoot that well from three, and this statistic has borne itself out. The first one was that five-game losing streak, the game at home against Cleveland leading into the 
first 80% of that Western Conference road trip. That was a five-game losing streak in each and every one of those games. Hornets were 385 or worse from three. Next one came up in the back-to-back against Philadelphia. Might add something to do with the entire starting backcourt being out for health and safety protocols, but nonetheless, didn't shoot that well from three. They lost both those games. Next Western Conference road trip, specifically Portland through the game at Denver. Hornets were able to overcome it and get the win at Denver, but... The rest of the trip was essentially a loss there, with the exception of the San Antonio game, where they did actually shoot the ball well from three. So you're seeing a pattern here when the Hornets get into these ruts and every team's going to have them over 82 games, you're going to see some of the losses pile up. The last two that happened at Indiana through at Washington, Hornets were able to overcome the Pacers, but lost the other two. So another losing stretch where they didn't shoot the ball well from three. The most recent one where they haven't shot it well from three is the last four games. They happen to be able to find ways to wins over Milwaukee and Philadelphia, and that's impressive and it's noteworthy and something that you put in your back pocket because you you need to know in the back of your mind, even if we're not shooting well, we can find ways to get W's. But the fact of the matter remains, the Hornets, when they're playing their best basketball, they're making roughly 40% or better of their threes. They have an exceptional record when they can do that. They're 14 and 4 when they make better than 385 as their three-point percentage. They were able to overcome it up till last night. And when you think back to these last four games, what is a common theme in those four games too? Kelly Oubre has been out due to health and safety protocols. I'm not saying that Kelly Oubre is the reason why the Hornets do not shoot the three ball any better or any worse, but when he comes in on that second unit, he's able to space the floor out much, much better. When you take a look at this team for the Hornets, pretty Pretty much anybody can shoot a three. I mean, with the exception of Mason Plumley, which no offense to Mason, just not really his cup of tea. But when you get Kelly Oubre out there with that small ball lineup, even with PJ Washington, everybody on that floor is a threat to shoot the three. They just spread the floor out so much better. And that opens up the inside a little bit more because you got players on the switches. You got players on the other team flying out there, trying to cover that three ball and run people off the three point line. Then you get that defense into chaos and then you're just drive kick swinging and looking for that extra man. So again, I'm not saying that Kelly Oubre is the reason why the three-point shooting has gone down because Kelly has had cold nights from beyond the arc. He's had really hot nights from beyond the arc as we experienced not that long ago. So the Hornets are definitely missing Kelly Oubre, not only for the way that he's able to space the floor, but his three-point shooting, of course, and of course, you know, the bench production as well. But with all that said, hopefully this is just one of those cold streaks that the Hornets are going into and they snap out of it Monday in New York. It's a decent point to bring up because, you know, you look at the, the Hornets wins, at least half of them, Kelly Oubre has been one of the players shooting 40% or better from three. Hopefully, with a couple of days off, the Hornets will be able to right the ship, both in terms of wins and losses, as well as in their three-point shooting abilities, and we'll look for a stronger result on Monday for the matinee against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. Tomorrow, even though it's an off day for the Hornets, it doesn't mean it's an off day for the Hornets Hivecast. We've got a special one-on-one interview with Hornets all-star candidate, Miles Bridges. He's been leading the team in scoring through the first 43 games of the season. He sits down with us. We look forward to bringing you that conversation tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Till then, for our producer and our guest today, Rob Longo and everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along, and we'll talk to you tomorrow right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.